This program is presented by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hello, I'm Sarah Gregory, and today I'm talking with Dr. Jorit Ruchis, a physician and resident in clinical microbiology at the Amsterdam University Medical Centers. We'll be discussing pathogens listed as potential bioterrorism agents in the Netherlands. Welcome, Dr. Bruchis. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Bioterrorism agents are used as the plots in plenty of fictional books, and obviously they're great for scaring people. But what are bioterrorism agents in real life? Bioterrorism agents are pathogens classified as potential bioterrorism agents based on characteristics such as route of transmission, pathogenicity, infectious dose, and also stability in the environment. These characteristics would allow ill-meaning individuals to use them as a bioweapon. And how does something get classified as a bioterrorism agent? There are uh, several lists drawn up by, for example, the the CDC, the American Center for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, which classified these agents um, based on their potential to be used or misused, I should say, as a bioweapon. Okay, so there's people that make these lists. Are they, who are they that keep track of these agents? What are these agencies? You mentioned CDC. Are there some others? Yeah, there is also the a European list, but this is currently maintained by the European Medicines Agency. That these are just government agencies which make a prioritization which aid pathogens should be taken extra care of. So how did these agents? become part of the lists? What makes them classify? There are several pathogens, for example, bacteria, which can be dangerous because they are easily transmitted to persons and also have a high mortality rate. So that makes them a potential bioweapon. So they should be taken extra care of. And okay, so how are bioterrorism agents actually used or how could they be used for bioterrorism? Warfare, obviously, or killing people, but how? Fortunately, the the number of cases where these pathogens have been used as, as, as a bioweapon are very limited, but there are several ways possible for which we, we can prepare. And one way is the release of aerosols. So you make if, if people make the bacteria to very small droplets, and that could be released on a crowd of people, for instance, that could be a potential risk. Okay, so these are not always just theoretical concerns. There's actually events that have occurred? Uh, fortunately, it is very difficult to perform a successful, if you even can call it that, bio-attack. There have been attempts, for example, in Japan in 1993, the Aum Shinrikyu cult tried to release anthrax. However, they failed because they used a vaccine strain, which is the wrong strain. But it has been a serious attempt. And also in 2001, uh, there has been anthrax spores which were sent in the mail. Yeah, a lot of people may know, which caused a lot of concern and panic. So these are concerns. But fortunately, it is rather difficult for people to do this. Are there levels or degrees of dangers for the different agents or some worse than others? Yes, there are many pathogens which could be misused. 
but there is a classification based on how easily they are transmitted, the mortality rates, so that influences the, the risk involved and, and following the classification as a potential bioweapon. Your study looked at bioterrorism agents in the Netherlands. Why did you want this information? First of all, to be clear, these are the natural occurrence or background uh, incidents of these pathogens. They are not suspected of an actual bioterrorism attack. Many of these pathogens occur in nature, either endemic or travel related, but it's important to know how often they occur. And the aim of this study was to provide an overview of the incidents exemplified in the Netherlands. One major aim of this study was to raise awareness for biosafety at laboratories, as many of these pathogens can also potentially be harmful to employees of clinical microbiology laboratories. Another important factor is to underscore the relevance of biosecurity measures to prevent unauthorized access to these pathogens. What period of time did you look at and why then? We set the observation time for 2009-2019. We started in 2009 because in 2008 a new law was implemented in the Netherlands, a public health act, which classified certain diseases as notifiable diseases, and many of the potential bioterrorism agents are also notifiable diseases. So that's the the starting point. The end point was 2019, because as we all know, after 2019, the COVID-19 pandemic occurred, which very much restricted air travel and, and travel in general. So since we want to have a normal incidence of these pathogens, that's not a good period to check. So the, we took 2009 to 2019. And what did you find? What were the pathogens, number of cases and incidences? The pathogen with the highest incidence was Coxiella burnetti, Q fever. But this was because the, in, from 2007 to 2010, there was a Q fever endemic, epidemic in the, in the Netherlands, actually the largest epidemic uh, recorded. So in 2009, there were over 2,000 cases, which is quite a lot for a small country. But after that, the cases decreased to 10 cases per 10 million persons per year. So that is still relatively a lot, especially compared to other cases. So for example, the incidents with more than one case per 10 million persons per year were Brucella, Francicella, and also Burkholderia pseudomali. Pathogens with an incidence of less than one per 10 million persons per year are hemorrhagic fever viruses, Clostridium botulinum, and anthrax. Finally, as expected, smallpox did not occur in the Netherlands since they had been globally eradicated. And also uh, Yersinia pestis was not found because the last case of Yersinia pestis was almost 100 years ago in the Netherlands. So uh, that was also expected that we did not find any cases. Yersinia pestis is plague, right? Exactly, yeah. So, uh, so we are fortunately do not have any cases anymore quite some time. That is fortunate. We've had several in the United States. Could these findings be similar to other countries globally, or would different countries have different pathogens, agents, and events? Yeah, there are a lot of differences between countries globally, also climate-related. In certain countries, some of the pathogens are endemic. For example, Brucella can be found in the Middle East, 
and also the plague, as we dis- uh, discussed earlier, is found in uh, Madagascar and can also be found in North America as well. Apparently, you excluded some agents from your study. Why was this? As we discussed before, there are a lot of pathogens which could be misused. However, prioritization was made, so the less dangerous pathogens were excluded, and we focused on the most harmful pathogens. You also mentioned in your study that it might make more sense for the EU to keep these lists instead of some of the agencies keeping them now. Why is that? That's not exactly correct. Uh, I think the US should should keep their own list uh, by the CDC. However, the current list in Europe is maintained by the European Medicines Agency, which is mainly tasked with approving medicine. It would be more logical to give the task to the European Centre for Disease Control and Prevention, the ECDC, uh, in a similar situation with the uh, CDC in the United States. I see. Okay. So how are bioterrorism acts prevented the rare times they actually occur? Does the prevention differ from the type of agents, say a virus versus ricine, which comes from castor beans? Well, in general, these pathogens have very low incidences. This makes them very unlikely for ill-meaning individuals to isolate them from, from natural sources in the Netherlands. However, these pathogens do cause infections in limited cases, but these pathogens are then stored at clinical microbiology laboratories. Uh, so this, that means that these locations should be uh, have good security. So this underscores the need for, for the biosecurity measures as a means to prevent bioterrorism. Attacks. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about what kinds of preparedness do you see as essential for preventing these kinds of attacks? Preventing means that you have to prevent in the first place that anyone can get these pathogens. That is done by controlling and restricting the development, production, stockpiling, and other ways of, of acquiring these biological and toxin weapons. Uh, and as well, ways of, of delivering them. And the preparedness means being able to respond in case that an act of bioterrorism is suspected. This requires securing the, the site if where the agent is released, if there is a site known, and also safely identifying the pathogen to guide further actions. What do you consider the most important public health takeaways from your study? Some consider bioterrorism a high impact, but a low probability event. This means that the probability that it, it happens is, is low, but it could cause a lot of panic, could have a lot of impact. So I think the main thing is to be prepared. And also the low incidence yeah, really underscores, like I said before, the need for good biosecurity measures at laboratories. Is there a personal public health nightmare scenario that worries you the most? There are many potential scenarios which could be, which could have caused a lot of, of, of panic and chaos. However, I think the most important thing is to be prepared for uh, the different organizations involved, uh, law enforcement, CDC, to know what to do. So in that case, the biggest nightmare for me would be to have an unprepared public health sector. Dr. Borchus, tell us about where you work and what you do there. 
I am currently training to become a clinical microbiologist in the Amsterdam University Medical Center. And our main task is at the hospital laboratory, we identify the pathogens causing infection in patients and advise on their treatments, suggesting antibiotics and other measures to improve patient uh, health and recovery. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thanks very much for having me on the show. And thanks for joining me out there. You can read the July 2023 article, Epidemiology of Pathogens Listed as Potential Bioterrorism Agents, The Netherlands, 2009 through 2019, online at cdc.gov EID. I'm Sarah Gregory for Emerging Infectious Diseases. For the most accurate health information, visit cdc.gov or call 1-800-CDC-INFO.